Hello and welcome to the first episode of Virtual Legality in 2021. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And on your screen, you see a logo for a game called Cyberpunk 2077. That doesn't seem right. We've been talking a lot about Cyberpunk lately, but I think that might be the wrong... Oh, yes. Yes, it is. In fact, we've got a new Cyberpunk story, a story about a little-known game from a company called Top Hat Studios, or at least published by them called Sense, a cyberpunk ghost story. And if you haven't been following Twitter or social media or the internet for the past week, God love you. I highly recommend taking the break for the end of the year as I did. Uh, it's, it's nice to get away from those kinds of platforms and, and often to the real world for at least a short period of time. But if you had been following those things, you would have seen a story on this game, Sense, a cyberpunk ghost story, that appears to have started from the release date reveal of this game on, I believe, the website Nintendo Life. This was at least the earliest I could see in the last week or so from where what we're going to talk about in this video all seems to have started from. And this article is pretty simple. It's just a normal launch article. It says a cyberpunk ghost story will be haunting the Switch soon. The clever folks over at East Asia Soft know when is a good time to jump on a bad wagon as they're bringing Cyberpunk 2083 to Switch on the 7th of January 2021, which is likely to run a lot more smoothly than that old fangled Cyberpunk 2077. Jokes aside, Sense of Cyberpunk Ghost Story is a side-scrolling survival horror game, which is set in Neo Hong Kong in the Earth year of 2083. Yeah, the, the whole premise of the starting point of that article that it's a good idea to, to hit the bandwagon of Cyberpunk 2077 may be true, may not be true. Obviously, we're a little too close to it here in virtual legality talking about the lawsuits and all of the controversy and the investor calls. And still, you can get headlines if you go and you read some of these articles about how Cyberpunk is doing tremendously well, Cyberpunk 2077, especially on the PC. So it might be much ado about nothing in the long run. I suspect that it will be, but certainly the CD Projekt Red title did not launch in any kind of smooth state. Now, if you're looking at these pictures, you can probably tell what some of the controversy was about. In fact, you might also comment on the fact that the video or the photo in the thumbnail that I used for this video didn't actually include the full breadth of the image that was provided by the Sense developers here. But there's a good reason for that. One of them is that I don't like to have titillation as part of the video thumbnails if I can avoid it. Now, we do have occasional use of imagery that is violent or gory or otherwise titillating to describe what we're going to talk about in one of these videos, but I don't find it necessary. And frankly, I know a lot of you don't as well, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the developers of the game or product should be censored, should have to remove that content, should not make the game or piece of art or otherwise that they want to make. And you've heard this story before. If you go to the tweets that follow from the Nintendo Life broadcast of the launch date of this game, you see comments like the following. This is just porn, just some sad fantasy from an adolescent boy's thoughts. The world of gaming exists for men's fantasies. And it goes on and on and on. I don't want to accidentally read something that isn't appropriate for virtual legality, but there are a lot of tweets of that ilk. You see 2,000 likes, 363 quote tweets, 292 retweets, and this thread just goes on and on and on. Now, it's these two articles, surprisingly enough, or the article and the Twitter thread that appears to have launched Top Hat Studios on something of a defensive stance corporate messaging mission. And we see that in a tweet that they put out just a few days ago 
called Official Statement Regarding Calls Demanding Censorship of Sense, a Cyberpunk Ghost Story. Our commitment to our audience and to developers is we will never infringe on creative freedom or expression, which, as we've talked about in this space, is generally something that U.S. citizens get behind in most instances, or at least have in the historic past uh, of the United States. And so it appears to be a statement that is trying to steer into the skid, avoiding some of the controversies that we have seen before. Reading from the statement, With the recent news of Sense's cyberpunk ghost story coming to Nintendo Switch, we are aware of a large amount of messages and demands aimed towards the game's console platform release based on lies claims that it is explicitly pornographic or somehow encourages violence or most ridiculously somehow breaks the law. We'll talk about that in just a second. Furthermore, voices have attempted to advocate making sale of the game untenable through demanding harsh censorship aimed towards the developer's art style with threats to review bomb the game and or harass its distributors. Now, we've talked about review bombing quite a bit in virtual legality. It's a practice that a lot of folks use to put their voice forward on places like Steam, most prominently, in which they disagree with something in the game, they don't like the game for some reason, and they quote-unquote review bomb that game. They get a copy, they give it a half star, they give it one star, whatever it might be. In Steam's case, it would be a thumbs down. In Metacritic's, it might be a zero out of ten. And they go forward with this in an effort to call attention to an issue that they've identified with the game. I've talked about it in this space. I don't like it as a practice. I like it if it's directly related to the actual content of the game, that the plot doesn't make sense, the graphics don't make sense, it breaks, perhaps in the case of Cyberpunk 2077 and a PlayStation 4 owner, but I don't like attaching it to things that are wholly separate from the game. Things like a publisher deciding to go with an Epic Game Store contract rather than a Steam one doesn't seem appropriate to me to have that kind of review bombing mentality, and I'd like an easy way to separate those things out. But as we say in this space, reasonable minds can differ, and what they try to appear to be doing in this comment is to head off those review bombs at the pass. In addition, and this gets a little bit worse from here, we have received death threats from those who feel threatened by what essentially boils down to an aesthetic decision of how pixels are arranged on a screen. While disappointed at these behaviors, we are certainly not surprised. Let us be clear on this. We will not censor the game because of self-centered crowds who care solely about grandstanding. We categorically and absolutely refuse to restrict creative expression. Creators should be allowed freedom to express themselves, particularly when it is an expression of the subcultures they have been immersed in. As a cyberpunk game, Sense uses imagery and themes relating to a future of hyper-commercialized, over-commodified imagery as part of its cyberpunk theme and inspiration. This is reflected in all character designs. With that said, we expect that this is lost on those attacking the developer for being harmful and somehow inflicting violence and pain. Those who believe words or images inflict violence should perhaps stop spurting their own hateful false rhetoric and also cease condoning death threats to those they disagree with. Now, that's a spicy take, right? We have said in virtual legality very often that you fight bad ideas with better ideas, that freedom of expression is very important. I've had people in the comments to my videos come forward and say they don't like that. They don't like that approach. They would prefer to see certain commentary, hate speech, whatever it might be, regulated in a more fulsome fashion. I personally disagree with that, but that's an argument. That's a debate. Those are good ideas and bad ideas that we can fight out and we can have that discussion. And that is a good thing. 
in this particular case, you've got a publisher that's using very strong language. They essentially say, go screw yourselves to a lot of the folks that are criticizing them by saying, we expect that this is lost on those attacking the developer and believe that words or images inflict violence should perhaps stop doing so on their own accord. Those kinds of comments are not the usual kind of thing that we review in virtual legality. This doesn't feel like a terribly well-vetted, corporatized lawyer PR statement. Except when we get to looking at the effect of this and why this statement is being made, there's a reason that this thumbnail asks whether or not this isn't really a fairly big marketing strategy for the release of this game. Continuing with their statement, we reject any and all of the aforementioned brazen characterizations of the game and would like to reiterate our principles against tampering with creators' expressions. We would also like to reiterate the game is rated ESRBM, Peggy 18. This is not an adults-only game nor have any laws been broken, as some social media commenters have ridiculously claimed out of their biases. Again, you don't need that extra bit of language if you're trying not to be incendiary. The game's rating reflects the target audience, and yet this fact is lost on those who have been led by a will to blindly crusade against their false perceptions. I mean, this is a didactic. This is almost a manifesto, the kind of thing you would see posted on a forum somewhere. And I saw this a couple days ago and I said, that strikes me as such a marketing statement. And we'll get to more of that in just a second. Once again, since a cyberpunk ghost story is rated M, Peggy 18, the game will release as planned and without censorship on the 7th of January, 2021 for Nintendo Switch. The game will not be censored. We categorically refuse. And one thing you might note as I read through this story, and I looked and looked and looked as I do as I research putting together these videos, is you don't see the connective tissue between this tweet and article in Nintendo Life and calls for censorship. And the way that this particular statement is written, as I just read it to you as part of this video, should ring alarm bells for a lot of folks. This is very specifically kind of culture warrior-esque. Whichever side of that particular culture war you are on, and designed to be, as I said before, incendiary, using attacking language rather than just defensive language to really attack those that might attack the publisher and the company itself. Now, if there are legitimate calls for censorship, if there are death threats, if they are going over the top in attacking this publisher, to some extent, I'm a lawyer. Aggressiveness in defense is nothing to be scoffed at. It's not in and of itself a bad thing. But when you can't kind of put these pieces together from that article and those tweets, which aren't nice, they aren't glad to have the game in existence, they say bad things about the publisher and Nintendo and the company that would put out such a product, but don't actually call for the things that they are claiming are being called for in this statement, it raises a number of questions. After all, we do exist in a world where the culture war is real, that you probably can make some marketing money off of pretending to be a victim on one side or the other. And so I think a lot of people rightly said, what are you talking about with this statement? We, we don't see anything here that suggests that this is particularly a problem. So Top Hat Studios went out and did something that's a little bit unusual. They said, okay, we're going to try to show the receipts here. We originally did not want to make this post, says Top Hat Studios, as to not accidentally incite a search for these posters and cause further fights. However, as there are now industry-adjacent people slandering slash gaslighting us as liars, chances are they're libeling them, but it's fine, we have compiled a sampling from Twitter, Facebook, and email. 
And I'm not going to click on all of these, but there are a couple of interesting ones that I, I thought I would point out here. You've got basically what we saw in those Twitter threads. You see things like, so glad my sons don't use Nintendos, disgusting, sexist, defensive. But you also see things like, if I find my child playing this, expect both you and Nintendo to hear from both me and my lawyer. Someone needs to show you the harm this does to women. Men need to understand it. Disgusting, hope you get shot, which is not ideal, right? Disgusted, you would market porn to children. Stupid garbage incel. The fact both you and Nintendo feel fine pushing out harmful products, encouraging violence against women is a blatant breach of the law. Expect a writ in the mail sometime soon. Rotten hell, 666, twisted, hope you enjoy the coming legal action. As, as you can see, we're in virtual legality. So the things that jumped out at me were the requests or comments that somebody was going to bring a lawsuit against them. Now, as we say in virtual legality, I'm an American lawyer. I practice in Michigan. I'm trained in the United States and most specifically Michigan law. And in the United States, we have certain kind of foundational concepts. And the First Amendment of our Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, is among them as saying that we will have the freedom of speech, which has been extended to basically everything that you would want to say, whether it's in print or in voice or in art. And that extends to drawing top-heavy anime ladies, and that's never really been in dispute in the United States, and that doesn't mean that you have to like it. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite games of last year, 13 Sentinels, you can see it ranked as sixth place here on Rick's list, and if you're interested in hearing the discussion that I have with my brother about my list of favorite games from last year, you can 100% check out that video. But the point is, 13 Sentinels is an anime-based game. It's a game that I really, really thoroughly enjoyed in 2020, but it also has characters that regularly look like this, that are fairly top-heavy in their drawing and execution themselves, and get worse than this in certain contexts. And as I've grown older, I haven't really enjoyed that as much as I might have in my youth. And in fact, after I had my daughters, it becomes kind of a thing where you say, what games can I play where I won't be embarrassed by my daughters or my wife coming into the room? And I, I think that becomes a consideration. And so I don't tend to like this particular style as much as others might, but as we say in this space, reasonable minds can differ. The world does not have to cater to me. And that's an important thing for people to really get their heads around. There's a lot of stuff in the world that I don't like. And it's amusing in terms of 13 Sentinels that this was much, much worse in the very recent past right? Vanillaware themselves, their game, I believe it was immediately prior to 13 Sentinels, was Dragon's Crown, which is a great little side-scrolling dungeon adventure. It also features art that looks like this, and that isn't great. At least it wasn't great for me. It might be great for you, and that's okay. We don't want to live in a world where we all have the same tastes or the same proclivities or the same things that we like or the same things that we hate. That's okay, and artists and creators should have the ability to make what they want in this space, but you should have the ability to chide them for it if you feel so inclined. I think the act, the magician character in this game in Dragon's Crown looks absolutely ridiculous. And I've never stopped thinking that it looks ridiculous. And that takes at least a little bit away from the game on the sides. For me, it might not for you, but that kind of discussion is totally acceptable. What isn't acceptable is this kind of stuff, is actually saying that you can bring legal action for it. What would that legal action be? What do you think somebody would bring up? We saw a lot of references to violence against women, but the act of drawing art, even the act of consuming that art, playing that game, 
isn't violence in and of itself. You have to go a number of steps to get to that point. And the United States justice system, at least, has never tied the creation of a piece of art, especially a drawn piece of art like that one, to something like violent acts against any group, whether it's women or men or anybody else. And so you, you're speaking, if you're on Twitter, if you're angry about these things, if you don't like this product, out of this kind of notion of there ought to be a law, which I would always caution people against, especially in virtual legality and in this space. Laws are important. Rules are important. Society is important. But not everything you don't like has to be illegal, has to have something that has a legal action brought against it. I don't particularly like broccoli. I don't think it should be outlawed or that the creation of it, the farming of it, should be outlawed, should be made illegal because Rick Hogue at the Hogue Law Firm doesn't like it. And I really think if people could get that kind of concept in their heads, we'd have a lot better discourse, a lot better conversations online and on these particular topics. Top Hat Studios continues, skepticism is healthy in this industry. Folks didn't believe them when they put out this statement. Now, I think the reason that folks didn't believe them is because the statement is so incendiary and really crazy sounding for anybody that reads these kinds of things fairly often that it sounded 100% like it was marketing, that it was designed to put this game that was probably going to fly under the radar because the eShop releases, I don't know, 150 games every day or at least every week when you go and you try to look through the store, that they wanted the name of their game to be shown which is another reason why it's releasing shortly after Cyberpunk 2077 on the, on the eShop because they can capitalize on the Cyberpunk name. Nothing wrong with any of that, except I think people were right to be skeptical. You look at this and you say, did people really threaten you? Was there all this stuff? And the legal threats are one thing. That I don't like this game. This is objectifying women. That's not anything that we should discourage. People should have their opinions. They should broadcast them on this. And if you don't like that opinion, you can, of course, scoff at that opinion. Freedom of speech works one ways, two ways, three ways, five ways. As Top Hat Studios continue, skepticism is healthy, but it is not universally applied. Not only were many of these comments actively findable in less than 10 seconds to verify, but many curious individuals seem to have a vetted interest in slandering us as liars because of their connections. Now we start to get into the weird ethics and games journalism type conversation. And you can go and you can check my channel. I have videos that talk about these things, talk about clicks and journalism, not just limited to games really, but anything that depends at least in part on access to what it is that they're covering. And it's a weird kind of aside. This company is not one I'm familiar with, Top Hat Studios, but they continue to keep trying to push on the culture war aspect of their game in a way that continues to look like marketing. We don't blame, blame people for being skeptical, but keep this energy towards other claims. This isn't a marketing campaign. The game released five months ago originally. This was a preemptive response to what we saw as a rising ridiculous spread of lies and slurs aimed at us. Now that's an interesting point, right? This game apparently released on PC five months ago. You can go to the Steam page. You can see what this thing looks like. You're a two-dimensional character walking between screens in a way that's fairly similar to 13 Sentinels, although not with nearly the level of animation or background design. And it appears to be a fairly standard horror tropey game with a character drawn in a specific way that you might like or that you might not. Doesn't really appear to be anything that would get people's uh, ires raised. And if you go and you look at the actual description of this game that the publisher puts forth, they describe the content as follows. Sense does not contain adult or explicit content. There is no full nudity. Now that full is doing some work there. So you do wonder what's actually in the game, 
but features skimpy, semi-revealing outfits and mature themes. There are references to alcohol, tobacco, drugs, and topics which some may find distressing, such as murder, suicide, and abuse. References to more mature themes, such as stripping, exist in-game. Contains visceral horror elements, which includes disturbing imagery, blood gore, and violent character deaths. Which, to be honest, isn't any different from that game we started not talking about at the top of this video. Right? Which also creates a different question. Right? I don't think I did a video on it, but there was a statement that was made by the Twitches of the world uh, a few days after Cyberpunk 2077 released. And a number of streamers were going, hey, you know, there's a lot of stuff in this game. There's a lot of toys of various stripes. There's a lot of commentary, certainly a lot of language, a lot of gore. Can I actually stream this game under Twitch's rules of the road? And Twitch put out a statement and said, yeah, of course you can. Basically, it's a big AAA game. That's no problem there. And the rule that is actually in the Twitch Terms of Service, the Terms and Conditions, says something along the lines of, you can play anything that isn't specifically focused on titillation, for lack of a better word. And I don't have that particular language brought up, but I, I tweeted out about that because it's a ridiculous standard. Because there's no question that cyberpunk is focused on the same kinds of concepts that Top Hat Studios brings up here. That the cyberpunk environment is about commodification of things like body parts, body imagery, and that that is expressed through things like hypersexualization. And so does that make it something that you can't stream on Twitch is not as obvious a question as Twitch would say, but they meant, hey, of course, it's CD Projekt Red. They're going to sell 13 million copies in like a day. Of course, you can stream it. We need to have those eyeballs on the service versus something like this, which is probably going to sell however many thousand copies is a much smaller endeavor you get into these gray areas that you do have these kinds of class systems, even in video games, where an indie isn't really allowed to go full bore like CD Projekt Red is and pretend that it launched just fine and we don't have other controversies, that that game is really invested in talking about hypersexuality and what it does to a society in ways that I think can be interesting. And it goes too far in places, and I might do a review of Cyberpunk 2077 and why I was disappointed in the plot and story and characters coming off of The Witcher 3, more than just the launch issues. And I might not. But either way, it's worth noting that indie developers and publishers have to deal with that very real fact that there are these gray areas, there are these ambiguities, and they don't know what's going to come up for censorship. They don't know whether the statements that are being made that are being sent to a publisher like this are going to be delivered to Twitch and to Facebook gaming and to YouTube gaming. And to be honest with you, this is too incendiary. I don't like the way that these communications have gone out. I wouldn't have recommended it if I were their counsel or their CEO, but I do understand where they're coming from and saying, well, if you get to Twitch, if you get to one of these other places that is our marketing sources, we're going to have a problem. They continue with the last two statements that they make here. We can play semantics, but if you can't understand why a response to such is needed, you are being willfully obtuse. We couldn't let false, hateful info spread and also wanted to reinforce our stance against creative infringement. It certainly got bigger than we expected. With that said, we appreciate sincerely the overwhelming support, really. As we said, we didn't want to make this post, but we aren't going to allow people to spread lies. No less from those with a vetted interest in calling us liars. We aren't changing senses content. And again, you see all these kind of sidebars. Who is it that is threatening Top Hat Studios that has a vetted, probably vested interest in calling them liars? I don't know. And they don't really help us find out. So the entire kind of prospect here winds up feeling, at bare minimum, if you want to give them the full benefit of the doubt, as a sequence of events that they wisely 
thought they could use to market the game. There is no question that after the last couple of days, moving into the launch of the Switch, there are more people that know the name since a cyberpunk ghost story and Top Hat Studios than would have last week. So to that extent, it is a success. But I also kind of resent at least a little bit this notion of fighting censorship, of creating this incendiary, combative environment between people that are justified really on both sides. I want to see this art. I want to have freedom of expression. I want to have the capability of seeing it. If I'm in the person's shoes that wants to play this game, I'm thrilled that it exists. But I'm also allowed to say, hey, I don't really love that art style. Hey, that goes a little bit too close to Dragon's Crown for me. I don't think that you should be drawing things this way because I think it is problematic for our society. That statement's totally fine as well, but those are the conversations and debates that should be had in a public forum without actually threatening the availability of the speech itself. And when I see a company like this kind of use the importance of something like freedom of speech, of notions of censorship for fairly normal internet stuff. Yeah, the death threats are terrible. The stuff that's go shoot yourself is terrible. All of that stuff is terrible. You shouldn't do it. Don't go over there and do this to them or to anybody that you can find that made these posts. Uh, YouTube makes me say that, but I truly believe it. Don't, don't dogpile people. It doesn't help your position. It doesn't help get you anywhere you want to go. It doesn't bring the football across the end line. Whatever metaphor works for you, it doesn't help progress whatever it is that you want to progress uh, in society to dogpile people and to attack them in that way. It just makes them defensive. But I, I do resent it a little bit because I don't know that this was the right avenue to do this. This was already approved to sell on the Nintendo Switch. And while I am very much in favor of freedom of expression, I want people to be able to make the art that they want, for people to be able to consume the art that they want. I also think that at the end of the day, this feels more like marketing to me than a legitimate issue that they were facing with regards to censorship. And that primarily stems from the fact that I don't really see the connective tissue between the initial release or the initial announcement of the release and where they got to making these statements just a couple of days later. It seems like something that was in the can, very free Fortnite style. And I guess we'll see how it goes. It doesn't look like a game that I would personally uh, enjoy, but I'll see how it reviews. I'll see what happens with it. And if you have any other thoughts on this game or any other kind of issues similar to this, I don't really want to dive too deeply into the ethics in games journalism and the you folks shouldn't believe commentary is violence and if you do, you're against us and all this other stuff that they bring up in their statement. But I did want to raise it as a story because I think it's an important one. I think moving forward into 2021, we're going to see these kinds of small battles on the edges uh, between various sides of culture wars, especially around our favorite industry of video games, uh, more and more and more. Because I do think the battle lines are drawn a little bit. I do think that people are going to try to make marketing hay uh, out of these kinds of situations. So this has been Virtually Gaudy for today. I intended this to be a little bit shorter introduction to the channel this year. Uh, but if you like this, please like, subscribe. We're now over 30,000 subscribers, and I'm really enjoying doing this stuff on the channel. If you have any thoughts on what you'd like to see us cover next, hit me on Twitter, put a comment in the video. I will find it. I try to read as much uh, of this as I can. Otherwise, do those things, ring the bell, subscribe, tell folks that we are here, share us on different forums, and if you have any of your own thoughts uh, on the stories that we talk about, please do leave those comments because I love to have those conversations and to see what you're all thinking. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching, and if you listen to this as a podcast, thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. 
Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.